the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And we are so glad you're with us now. I mean, coming off of Easter weekend, it was a little different than most Easter weekends, but I think we made the most of it. We did. This is week five for a lot of you at home, and we are still smiling because Jesus has risen. And I think that's the hope that we carry, you know, for people of faith. And I think a lot of people in this last week are even exploring faith that might just be coming back to it or are curious about it again. And I'm so encouraged by that because we have to look outside of ourselves in the season in particular for the hope and the silver lining. And And I think you can't live in the springtime, right? Anywhere and see things blooming and flowers coming out and signs of life everywhere in his creation to remind us that God is in control and we can trust him. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you get in a moment like this where the whole globe has to go home, I mean, that's what just happened. We were all sent home, and if we can't take the time right now to focus on what bigger is happening around us, what really matters, what's most important, where am I putting my trust? Because let's be honest, a lot of us get caught up in putting our trust in being busy and work and making money, and all those things have really stopped. Yeah, we have silence, and we're able to... I think the path has been cleared in some ways of all that mental distraction to get quiet, to reflect, to ask God to reveal, like, what are the things you want to activate and move in our lives right now? And I know for us, it's been the things that I actually care the most about, which is connection in our home, connection with our extended family, connection with our friends. You and I started, you know, doing these double dates uh, at night with friends around the country, you know, a double date on Zoom after the kids go down. But just pursuing relationship, even though it might not be in conventional ways. And I think it's very important because there's a lot of people at home that are even single people having to do this alone and making sure we're reaching out to them as well. Well, we have been holding on to this interview for a little bit uh, because it's with somebody that's just so special and we knew it. Like when you were doing this interview, and I know I listened back to it, we just knew there would be the right time for it. And this is the week that's the right time for it. Yeah. And it's with somebody we both love and so many of you, I know, appreciate. It's with Francis Chan. And Francis Chan now lives in Hong Kong. So he right. left for Hong Kong a few weeks ago. And so Rebecca had the chance to sit down with him prior to that and to have a conversation about just where he was at on church, on life, on courage, on community. And what a rich conversation you had. And it was so odd because... Not odd, but I mean a bit ironic, providential. I don't I don't know the right word for it, mm-hmm. but that he leaves America to go to Hong Kong, which was really right on the front lines of where this pandemic was coming out of, but that didn't stop him. He took his whole family, his kids. They were going on mission there yeah. with purpose. He's and always as, been a pioneer. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as he leaves though, this whole country he's been in for years right. shuts down and we can't move and we can't do church the way we used to. And right. that's been one of his big messages is Don't stay caught up in like church and business as usual. We need to get real about life with Christ, and that might look different than what you've gotten used to. Yeah, he's very passionate about it. You'll hear in this conversation, he's been trying this new way of church that's living, you know, like making disciples every day in and day out, living among people, loving them the way Christ loved the church, like loving them in such a way that... uh, 
was really convicting, I think, for me to even be reminded of uh, how how church really is just the Spirit of God in the hearts of His people, and it isn't contained by brick and mortar. It's It moves. It's living, active, like a bunch of people are going out, and I remember feeling that viscerally when we lived in New York City years ago, and we were part of a couple different church plants. It was small, but you felt like we almost got recharged with that fellowship each week to go out and then be the church every day going out. And and so he was all about a sent kind of idea, like that like making disciples means you go, you go right, right. and you tell and you and you minister. And I love that because there's a little bit of conviction sometimes when you can hear it because you think, well, what are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? I don't think God's up there with a checklist going, this is right and this is wrong. What he is doing, though, is saying, I really want your whole heart, and I want your faith to be an active faith, not a spectator faith. I want you to really feel like you're walking with God. You're walking in the way that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Like, here's the way. Walk in it. Right. And that's the peace and purpose you talk about and you write about. That comes when we're walking in that way, when we have purpose, when we're on mission. And I'm also excited next week, actually, he'll be with us live from Hong Kong when right. we do our Q event. We are, we're having a Q virtual summit. That's the organization that Rebecca and I run as well. And we're bringing thousands of leaders together, and he'll be a part of it. And Tim Keller and Ann Voskamp and Priscilla Shire, a lot of people that you guys have listened to, about 40 different talks happening. And you can learn more about that at qideas.org slash 2020. But today, I'm just excited for us to just sit in this and listen to his words kind of predicting the moment that we're in now from a man who I would call just a modern-day prophet and somebody who's passionate about Jesus and passionate about us keeping our lives prioritized around what really matters. Well, before we listen to the Francis Chan conversation with Rebecca, I want to thank one of our great partners and sponsors, Pine Cove. Pine Cove camps are amazing, and if you're looking for a place where your child can unplug from electronics, from Zoom calls, from distractions— From missing out on just not having a lot of time with friends, this is going to be an incredible summer for that. I think summer camp this summer is going to be better than ever. And Pine Cove is one of the best places you could go. Pine Cove is a Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun summer camp where kids not only have epic outdoor adventures through zip lines and horseback riding, water blobs, but they're also invested in by amazing, Jesus-loving college staff. And they're free to be themselves, and they meet lifelong friends. So Pine Cove even has some day camps available through church partners across the southeast of the U.S. But at Pine Cove Youth Camps, Family Camps, and Day Camps, your child will learn the gospel in a variety of ways and be equipped to approach life with a what-can-I-do-to-be-helpful attitude. They believe in having a ton of fun, but it's more than that. Through hilarious skits, silly camp names, and wildly exciting activities, Pine Cove cultivates a sense of adventure in shy kiddos, and helps others overcome personal fears and challenges, all while increasing problem-solving skills and self-awareness. Their influence reaches far beyond camp, and your child will feel seen, known, and loved. So check out their website for locations. Every day marks one day closer to this summer, and it's going to be an incredible week in your child's life. Register now at pinecove.com and use this code for a $250 off first-time overnight youth camp registration. That code is RHYTHMS250. That's R-H-Y-T-H-M-S-2-5-0. Make this the summer your child will remember forever. Francis, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to uh, be what here. A, what a joy and a pleasure to have you here. I am so inspired by your life, and I know so many are, and I know you're just being obedient, so that's not <laughs> why you're doing what you're doing, but it it has a ripple effect mm-hmm. for a lot of people who've been in the church for many years. 
that swimming upstream, that counterculture, that narrow way that Jesus calls us toward. And and so I'd like to just ask you a couple just jumping in the deep end questions about when you left your church prior and then moved to San Francisco and started House Church. Um, I'm thinking about the rhythm of rest and connection in particular, about that quiet space, that inner life, that spiritual vulnerability that you then had with your people in communion. Can you talk a little bit about, did that come quickly? Was that hard? Is it something you were yearning for? Yeah, I don't know that I was yearning for it, to be honest. Um, I'm pretty happy with just my family. I could just hang out with them on an island. Um, But I would look at Scripture and look at what God was saying, the depth He wanted in my love for the people in the church, and I realized— I am so disobedient to this mm-hmm. because I like my space right. and I want my private time, my family time. I mean, we always opened up our home. I mean, ever since we were married, we'd had people living with us. And so there was this loss of privacy mm-hmm. um, and an inclusion of family. But it was almost like the thing we did at home and then church was something different. Right. How old were your kids when you made this shift? Um, my oldest was uh, like 15. Okay. Yeah. And then my youngest was, I I don't even know, because we've had a few more since. Okay. We have seven, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> I yeah, love it. Yeah, I so love somewhere it. in that range. But it was a shift for everyone. I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Major. From youth group and, you right. know, tons of people their age to sitting in a room with a grandpa and a, you know, drug addict sure. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. people whose kids are unruly, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. You don't this... avoid anybody. Yeah. Everyone's right there. Oh, yeah. How we did... used to not allow, like, toddlers or little kids in the same. I'm used to complete order in that room, <laughs> and now we're in a living room with toddlers running around right. screaming. <laughs> so I am so curious, though, for your family, though, to make yeah. this shift together. Because like you said, we would welcome people in. It was kind of on our terms. Yeah. Our safety and security net was still around that. Yeah. Now, though, what did that do for your family and their connectivity and closeness? What did, what did that yeah. look like? Yeah. There have been times we've had people that have made us maybe miserable is the right <laughs> word. I mean, where they're in tears my wife, my kids, you know, here I am feeling responsible because when there's betrayal, you you know, when you let people get close, you're really letting them have access to you. And so there've been really painful times. But now that my kids, I have three of them out of the house now, they look back and they, even those horrible times, those painful times, they see how it grew them and matured them. And so it it was not easy, um, but now they get it. Well, I imagine, you know, when you are young and you see all ages right in front of you Mm -hmm. and you see the brokenness, uh, like you're not trying to shield them from those things. When you're getting that close to something, you get to see very close. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're pulling back the layers. I I know when we moved to New York City, our kids were four, seven, and nine. And so we were part of church plants in their elementary years, and they were usually the ones who helped take care of the babies because most people were moving out of the city by the time their kids were like four, seven, and nine. Yeah. So when we did public school, we noticed even the last couple of years, my daughter would just take inventory of her classroom in a very curious, uh-huh. stealth way, like, what do you do on Sunday? Yeah. And she'd come home and she'd say, we've got, you know, eight Muslims and mm-hmm. five 
people who don't believe in God at all. And she's like, I think there might be one Christian in my school. It was kind of that idea. And as a parent, we're like, where are the peers uh, for them that help them in that space? But also knowing like we're a household of faith, right? With everyone that's in our church plant of all ages. And and I did find that they had a lot of inputs from other adults besides us that were even half our age that were a little cooler and sometimes they wanted to hear from. How did that dynamic happen oh, with your kids? Oh gosh, they they love the church. They love their we call them aunts and uncles. Yeah. I mean, they really see them as family, and it's so nice to go. Gosh, I I actually trust them uh, to to raise my kids, you know, because right. I know them and I see their commitment to Christ. And go, gosh, if anything happened to Lisa and I, I, I could leave them with Rob and Sarah. I could leave them with Sean and Vanessa. I could, and and they would be raised as as such godly children, mm. and they love them. They yeah. truly love these people that are still a part of their lives even though they've graduated high school and they're out of the house, they have their own personal relationships with them. How has, even these last few years, rhythms for you, your intimacy with God shifted in knowing His people more intimately? Yeah. You you know, I think a big thing is when I'm with people who have such a deep, personal, alone time with God, and then you gather for prayer. To be honest, I never liked prayer meetings um, (laughs) because they just seemed, I don't know, I would much rather be alone with God than in a prayer gathering. But now it is completely different. Like, I actually prefer being with these people who have been on that mountaintop that pursue God. And it's like, now we're going after him together. Like it's, you you just know something is about to happen because we're of one mind in this room. We could care less about ourselves. We just want him honored. And and it's like, I get the chill. I just being with these people, you just sense God being in the room. My whole life, I have felt closest to Jesus when I am away from everyone. Mm. That is different wow, now. Wow, that's really inspiring. Which is crazy. Like, I go, I feel closer to him when we pray together as a church. Mm. And it's just wild. It's beautiful. It's amazing. That's so inspiring. I think when um, the last year in New York, God got so loud for me uh, yeah. when we left the belt buckle of the yeah. Bible belt. Yeah. And we got to the city and it just felt like if there was salt and light, it was so potent. Yes. So it was a potent witness and no one was casual about their faith. If they were staying and they were locking down for another lease for 12 months and they had to put every dime they had in, you know, the rent bucket or or just helping each other out. There was such a, a togetherness and a belonging with it. And I remember my prayer life just being propelled by God because I was around people who were just as desperate as I was. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that no, resonates. That's, that's exactly right? it. Yeah. And so we would do these prayer prayer nights in, in different apartments because you could only fit about 10 of us yeah. max or we would just smush in. And we'd be laying hands and people were like, I feel heat, God's moving, I feel healing's coming. There's just, and it was like, wow, I don't remember this growing, you know what I mean? Like there was a with, you know, like the Emmanuel is with us and we are with each other. There's 
you guys were on a mission together. Yeah. You're facing the same struggles. Yes. And it's it's hard. It's oppressive in the city. It's so dark. And everyone you talk to is rejecting you. And so now when you're all being rejected throughout the week and you get together and crying out for more power, it's a lot different right. than being in a pretty comfortable situation where Everyone kind of says they believe and they're they're not going to fight you on anything. It's just different. Well, and I think what I'm learning too is it's not spectator. You're in. Like yeah. if you walk through that door, you're you're so invested yes. in every way relationally, physically, emotionally. You're like you're you're fully invested in each other and before him. Mm-hmm. I'm so inspired by that and I think sometimes as we point back to places in our lives for some people who hear this they it might just feel so foreign right you yeah. know we we have a category for small group yes but until someone in that small group is fighting for their life yeah we don't begin to taste and see this communal dependency yeah. upon god with each other i know for us when our firstborn was born with down syndrome at 26 mm. and we were fighting for his life and he was in the nicu for the first week of his life that's when prayer and prayer language all of a sudden exploded Mm. in our friendship circle because we were like contending Mm. for something that we felt powerless, (laughs) you know, like this is all you. And um, wow, I just, I'm so grateful for, for your leadership in this. And I know it's not leadership to you. It's, it's just obedience, you know, and I hope that people, what would you say to someone who like, this is prompting something in them, like maybe a yearning or something deeper, they want to be known. I know it looks so different for each person, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on their situation. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, everyone go to your pastor and just yell at him. Right. Sure. Like that's the last thing I want to do is create that type of rebellion in a generation that already hates authority. Sure. Right. Um, but there's there were things I just knew God wanted me to do, and I just take that next step. And uh, gosh, it's but but a big part of it is the mission. Like if you're not after something, if you're not just pursuing, too too many people are just trying to survive and get by, and they're like, oh yeah, community would be nice. No, it's about like I have this mission, and there's no way I'm going to pull this off by myself because it's so big. Right, and that's 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 what's caused my wife and I to be so close. Is we just put ourselves in situations where we're like, oh my gosh, how is it? How is God going to come through here? How is this going to work? That's so why my family. It's not like we try to be close. It's just that when you're on the mission and you're pursuing something, it's the byproduct of it. And that's the same in the church. It's like if we're, our our goal is just to hang out and fellowship and enjoy one another, it's not going to happen. But if you're really trying to be a light in a very dark place and you're truly trying to make disciples uh, in, in, in this godless world where, where the, the prince of darkness is ruling and you're really going after it, there's going to be a bond that takes place and this oneness that I believe that Christ called us to. But it doesn't happen without a sense of mission, a deep sense of mission. Is mission something that you articulate often? Mm. Is it a sense of knowing amongst your church? Well, it's more than that. It's not even articulating, but it's like, hey, uh, this 
tomorrow night we're going to just walk the neighborhood and just pray for every house, you know, as we pass by it. And anyone that's on the street, we're going to start talking to them. You know, then on Thursday, we're going to go to the, the old folks' home over there. And, and we're just going to, you know, and then Saturday, we're going, to, we're going to walk the streets and just talk to, you know, people on the streets in the rich area. You know, and then we're going to go in the poor area. And so it's not just, hey, we should all be on mission. Yeah, yeah. you know, no, sign this that's, card. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. ask you next. Like, just practically, I think for so many people, like, paint a vision of what this looks like. Gosh, again, and and all of our churches are different. Sure. You know, depending on where they're located. It's just people do uh, garage sales and, you know, just to get to know the neighbors and talk to them. Other people go to some of the poorer areas and sign up to coach um, the kids. And the church kind of takes on the, the team and buys shoes for, the, you know, builds relationship. I mean, it's just it's different. And then, then every individual is looking for opportunities at work or, you know, we're just saying, get out there, be out there, create different spaces. Um, so gosh, there's just, I'm leaving out a thousand no, I things. Know. Well, it's just God's giving you yeah. a holy imagination for yeah. what does it look like and the opportunities right in front of me, yeah. you know, and to what, not miss them. Yeah. And what it is, is I used to be able to tell you every single outreach in the church because I was the one that created it. Now you've got all of these people that are released by the church and through the Holy Spirit. So I'll find out about things like, whoa, we're doing that. Whoa, we're doing that. Whoa, are you kidding me? That's going on? Whoa, that's what that church... It's just different because there's so many people filled with the Spirit, each pursuing that mission. Amazing. Well, in closing, would you just talk to the listener who feels like they don't have permission to rest before mm. God and even consider and pause, like, what, is, what does fruit look like f- mm. in my worship, in my relationships, in my community, and, and, and how am I serving? Mm. Maybe just invite them into just a rhythm of rest that would even make room to reconsider yeah. what God might have. This is the the core. This is the foundation. This has been my foundation since high school is I have to be alone in the presence of God. And I fight for that. If there's ever a season where that gets away from me, there's not fruit that lasts. And so it's imperative. You know, even when we invite all these people into our house and live there and, you know, with seven kids of my own, it gets noisy, loud in this tiny house. And so I had to build a shed in the backyard and go, no one goes in there. This is my prayer shed. And I just had to be alone with the Lord. Otherwise, I'm worthless to everyone. I need to find that time. If I'm not connected to the vine, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm like a branch that's trying to bear fruit while it's not connected to the vine. It's going to shrivel and die. And this is what scares me is we've reduced Christianity to, do you believe this, 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 this? Okay, it's like a, 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 a list of theological truths rather than really being known by a person and knowing him and being deeply in love. I mean, we we know when someone's in love with 
his wife or his kid, or we can see it. We have eyes for that. Wow, she is obsessed with her daughter. You know, we, we see that in the same way. We can see that when someone is obsessed with the person of Jesus or when they just know all these things about him. And, and so unless you're a person who, who really knows him, like you, you, you crave, like, oh, I just want to get away and I just want to be alone with him because my time, when it's just, when it's just him, me and him, and, and, and I just read his word and I respond to it and talk to him and he answers me. Like, if you're not that type of person, if you're not enjoying that fellowship with God, you're actually going to ruin the fellowship of the church by your thoughts and your ideas and your brilliance that came out of a lack of fellowship with Jesus. But when people are close to him and make that room for him, oh, you're like, I just want to be in a room with you because you've been with Jesus. Amen. Would you mind just praying for that person? Father, right now, I pray for everyone that is listening that doesn't really know you and enjoy you and love you. And they've gotten busy with so many other things and have neglected the only thing that matters. I pray that they will do whatever it takes, make drastic, drastic measures to show you that you are worth it, to shut off everything else and be alone with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Francis. Rebecca, that was so powerful, so amazing to just hear you guys. You could just tell it was like this very personal, intimate conversation, but we all got to listen in on it. Yeah. The way he prayed for everyone at the end, I was so ministered to by that. And I hope you were too, those of you who listened to that prayer, because it really was, it comes from a heart of someone who, like you said, he has a shed behind his house where he has to get alone with God. But then he also talked about the power of worshiping with each other, how how restorative that has been for him in his community to like come together with God. And I know while we can't gather in large auditoriums or small auditoriums, we can still gather in very unconventional ways, probably, as long as there's a lot of distance and we're following all the rules and all the guidelines, or it looks online, whatever that is. Maybe you Zoom somebody and you do Zoom prayer calls, whatever that is, I think it's important to worship together and find ways that that allow for that to happen that still don't spread the virus, obviously. So I am up for that challenge, and I want to keep thinking in that way because God really wants to uh, minister when we're together as a people. And we will see you again on Thursday. <laughs>